the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in. Good morning. How are you today? I do, I do to you and you and you. What you want to talk about? Rob Black and your money. Happy. Play with my microphone just a little bit here. Happy Fourth uh, of July. <laughs> no, it's not Fourth of July. Happy January twenty fourth. Fourth of July sounded better. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about? We can talk about um, money investing and clearly, clearly much, much more. Um, Wall Street. Clearly earning season, right? Kind of fun. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little Apple later this morning as we have a guest calling in. S&P 500. The markets. So much to talk about right now, right? Yesterday was one of those bloody... Bloody days on Wall Street. A lot of people want a stock market pullback. A lot of people are starting to bet on it. Uh, literally, Chad Burton has a client that's like, how can I short the market? Should I do it with options? Should I do it with an exchange traded fund? Should I do it with a mutual fund? How should I short the market? And there's so many ways you can short the market. I want to say options is the best way to do it. Right now we have the SP 500 down 12. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 84. The NASDAQ down 34. 10-year Treasury sits at 2.73%. So when it hit 3, it couldn't hold 3. Global markets are going to rock right now. It's not been the prettiest day ever on Wall Street. A lot of noise. A very shortened week this week as we started the week off with Martin Luther King Day. The nuance right now is that earnings and guidance can stir things up after we've had a good September, October, November, December. No matter what happens, we could have a bad January. If it's great earnings, good earnings, average earnings, normalized earnings... When you have those four good months together, hopefully you went to Thailand for Christmas and made love, sweet love with someone. Hopefully it was someone you cared about. Uh, Because September, October, November, December, back to back to back to back, great months. So better than expected earnings from Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, Honeywell, Starbucks, KLA 10 Car, Kimberly Clark, can't wipe your butt without Kimberly Clark. Toilet paper. Bristol Myers and Juniper Networks. Better than expected earnings from all of them. 
That's a pretty good thing. That's a pretty wide swath there. You have tech companies, you've got drug companies, you've got enterprise companies, you've got consumer companies, you've got industrial companies. And again, like I said, you've got companies that you wipe your butt with their toilet paper companies. So, stocks have been trading lower. Is there a currency crisis going on out there? Is their earning guidance is good, but not as much as expected? Is it the Fed tapering? Or is it that we're simply due for a correction? No one has the right answer. Maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's a little bit of all of the above, you know, kind of thing. So we're going to get some increased volatility. We're so due for a correction of 10%. Haven't had one for over 400 days. So now we're starting to get to like, okay, now we're down 2%. Now we're down 2.5%. So again, the SP 500 is down 6 tenths of a percent today. The Dow is down one half of a percent. NASDAQ is down 7 tenths of a percent. So it's pretty ugly out there. You know, Thursday's 1% plunge, which reminds me of a plunge pool in Mexico that I want to go back and hang out at, right? That's kind of where we are. It's like winter, people have the flu, kids' noses are snot-filled. Yay! We had so much fun. I don't know if you remember in 1974 at the International News Conference down in Madagascar. And it was you, me, Cronkite, and Kylie Minogue. God, I miss Kylie Minogue. She was so much fun to party with. Like, seriously. You're in, like, you're in mid-drink and she breaks into, uh, you know, everybody do the blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't even know what song she sang. But she sang songs and she broke into songs. Anyhow, and anyway, um, there's growing concerns over China's macro trajectory. I know you're saying, what the hell is a macro trajectory? I know, right? Turkey's ongoing currency volatility. Oh, and then there's problems with the Ukrainian credit market. I know you're saying, like, God damn it, Rob, all I wanted to do was make love, sweet love to my spouse this weekend, and you had to bring up the Ukrainian credit markets. Now I can't possibly get excited. It's going to be hanging on you all weekend long, those Ukrainian credit markets. I know, right? That's what I do. I'm just a killjoy. I'm just a killjoy of love and happiness. Productivity is critical right now to compete globally. A lot of emerging markets are offering manufacturers greater profitability through productivity. There's a problem with this. We're starting to see it. We have robots out there, right? We've got factories out there. We've got corporations that are so lean, mean, fighting machines that they're forgetting that you actually have to have some people in the middle. Call the middle class. Because middle class people like to spend money. We like to go to the Russian River and drink lots of beer at their beer factory. We like to go intertubing down the Russian River where, surprisingly, after drinking copious amounts of alcohol, there's not a bathroom lining the Russian River. Where do people go? Where do people go when they're intertubing down the Russian River? Like, how, where are they going? Wait, wait, what? You're telling me they're peeing in their intertube? That's disgusting. Now I possibly can't make love sweet love this weekend, because now I've got two things in my head. The Ukrainian credit markets and people peeing in the Russian River. Because I drink the Russian River beer. That's just upsetting.
Anyhow, and anyway, um, so stocks are getting pretty, you know, they're having a bad week. You know, if I if I were like a, a real radio show morning host kind of guy, I'd play the song, so you had a bad day, but I'm not that guy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I pity the fool that plays, so you had a bad day when the stock market's down. Look, people. Look, America. Things are on sale today. Yesterday was at a 52-week high. The day before was at a 52-week high. Now we've had a couple days where things are kind of cooling off. That's normal. That's okay. Come on. We need a cheerleader. That's okay. That's all right. We can do it anyway with a knick-knack paddywhack. Give the dog a bone. Wait, 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 wait. Are you drinking? Well, yes, yes, I am. Me and Kylie Minogue. We're doing the locomotion together, if you know what I mean. I don't even know what I mean, so don't read anything into that. Come on, baby, do the locomotion. God, she was fun to party with when she was young. Anyhow, and anyway, SP 500 is down 12, the Dow's down 101, the NASDAQ down 31, the oils, not a story today, $97 a barrel. Gold, not a story today, 10 year treasury, that's kind of a story. The market doesn't seem to like 3%, not strong enough for 3%. Find me online at robblack.com. I am the aforementioned Rob Black. I am a pretty big fan of uh, technology to the point that I see a lot of problems that technology is creating. Um, Robots are overtaking everything. So everything, whether it be computerization, whether it be automation, artificial intelligence, technology, whether it be innovation, you're seeing robots doing a lot of things. When you see a robot at Amazon's factory run around and pick up books and put your order together, you're like, really? That's kind of cool. And you don't even stop to think about that. That used to be a human being that did that. You know, machines do work a lot better than people do. You know, tractors are more powerful than farmers. Robotic arms are stronger and more tireless than assembly line workers. We used to have to uh, give people breaks. Robots don't necessarily need said coffee break. Robots have thrived at replacing the average wage, middle skill, routine heavy worker, especially in manufacturing and some in office administration. Cashiers have been replaced at Home Depot with robots or check yourself out. Counter clerks, telemarketers, hello. Please wait while we connect your phone call to a real operator. You've gotten phone calls from from robots. Are you aware of this? Are you freaked out by this? Um, Robots are going to continue to push forward. Whether it's telemarketing and sewing, whether it's tax preparation or data entry, 
underwriters for insurance, there's a lot of jobs that are going to be completely automated sooner rather than later. Um, go to your local library. What stands outside right now? Insert your books here. And suddenly you're putting your books onto a conveyor belt, and they're finding their way back to the shelf without real people. So am I upset by robots? No. I've kind of accepted it. In fact, just so you know, next week on this radio show, I'm being replaced by a robot. But but the sad, funny truth about it is it's going to be Simon. Do you remember Simon from when you were like six years old? It was that little computer game that you played that had a blue light, a red light, a yellow light, and a green light, and you had to like copy what it was doing? It's not a very fancy robot that's going to replace me, and that's the humiliating part about it. It's not like Rob Black Web 2.0. It's just a, a, a machine that makes no- noises, and you have to repeat the noises back and forth. So more and more jobs are going to be automated. And what that tells me is, well, we're going to have to rise up and fight against the robots, which I don't think is going to happen because we're way too lazy and Real Housewives of Orange County is on. Or we have to educate our kids a little bit differently. So, uh, firefighters, more and more are going to be robots. Oral surgeons, not so much. Audiologists, not so much. Mental health social workers, not so much. Therapists, not so much. Can you imagine having a marriage therapist that's a robot? And basically tells you to go home and make love to your wife. Go home and make love to your wife. Okay, maybe that's just me and my own little fantasy going on right there. But, uh, yeah, robots not necessarily going to take over. So educate your kids is the thing that I'm getting at, because I think it's going to get a lot tougher out there before it gets a lot easier, if you know what I'm saying. 800-516-1220 get your calls on the air. A lot of risk-off sentiment. I'm getting calls. CFP Chad Burton is getting calls from people who are like, how do I short the market? And when it's that kind of obvious, be careful. The S&P 500 trades in the vicinity of its 50-day moving average. Earnings haven't been that bad. But we are looking at things like, what's going on with China? They, they seem to be pumping a lot of liquidity into a bank. That's never a good thing. That's telling you something's going wrong there in that particular bank. Maybe not all banks. Maybe all banks. I don't know. Consumer staples are doing well today. Telecom services, utilities. Weaknessing in consumer discretionary, energy, financials, industrials, and materials. Each calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, here's a good example of Obamacare. A friend of mine is a 23-year-old nanny. So she's kind of an under-the-table employee, right? And I, I, I don't know her taxes, so I better be careful what I say. But long story short, she was, she was on health care at $125 a month on her mom's health care. Her mom retired. So she gets her own health care, $275 a month. She has a back issue. She goes to see her doctor. Guess what? $100 to see her doctor. She's like, this sucks. Her deductible, $100. So that's my first real person kind of close to me in my life that has said, uh, Obamacare, not so good. 
NASDAQ down 35, Dow down 123, the S&P 500 down 14. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. This Ryman's being investigated over the luxury birthday gifts for Kim Jong-un ill. I know you're saying, don't you just hate North Korean dictators? I do. Um, so Dennis Rodman getting investigated, I, I think that's kind of a story. One of the things that I'm always looking at is I do like corrections at the beginning of the year. It's a weird thing to say out loud because I max out my 401k in the first eight months of the year. So anytime the market's down, I'm thrilled. Some people put their 401k max so that it covers the whole year. I like doing mine right up front. Let's go to Hamid in Sacramento. Hamid, how are you? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm okay at best. Called you before. Uh, uh, yesterday, the market went down uh, 1.5%, I think, and today's already down close to 1%. Uh, I'm I'm thinking by April, uh, sometime in April, that we're going to see some type of a a long-range correction, maybe 10%, 15%. Do you think it's going to be 10 15% or is it going to be like March of 2008? Hamid, Hamid, since you're seeing stuff in April, will I find true love? Say that again? Will I find true love this year? Do you find? Yeah, this year is going to be an awesome year. Okay, okay, quick, 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 quick question. Where is the treasure buried? Uh... Where did the treasure buried for where? You tell me. You're, you're the guy who sees things in the future. Uh, I'm kind of actually bullish, not there. No, 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 no. Where's the treasure buried? Hurry. Tell me. I'm in bed right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. Stop worrying about corrections. You're too young. Thanks for the call. 800-516-1220. Corrections are buying opportunities. Ah... I have a crystal ball. Will I find true love year this year? Yes. It's going to be a very good year. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. The new Rob Black sitting in the co-host chair. Simon, you're taking over my duties on Monday. What... What do you plan for the audience? Nice, nice. So, Simon, let me ask you a quick question. Um, will I find true love this year? Nice, nice. Thank you for that answer. And, Simon, one more question. Um, the market correction vaguely put, I'm in bed right now. What's going to happen? Nice. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 
uh, money investing, and much, much, much more. Um, things to talk about on Wall Street. Stock market correction. Wall Street's hoping right now that the correction in stocks is measured by time rather than price. Last year, the stock market moved in one direction, which every time I hear those, the two words put together one direction, it kind of makes me want to vomit in my mouth and, well, put a mouse in there to sleep for a couple of days. Standard Poor's 500 index, it's down two-tenths of 1% for the year. It's down two-tenths of 1%. Oh, the humanity! January's not an up month at this point in time, and I just honestly feel like I want to die. I deserve an up market every single day. Flat market might not be such a bad thing, though. A flat market's better than a falling market for a lot of people. I like a falling market. A lot of people see that pull that that gain last year of thirty percent, and they want to pull back. I'm seeing people. <laughs> I got an email. This is fantastic. I got to do some of Chad's emails when he's on vacation. He's on vacation right now, and he goes, yeah, "I don't know a lot, but I kind of want to take advantage of this down market." <laughs> what an awesome statement! I don't know a lot. It's kind of like saying that um, I don't really know how to count to 21, but I kind of want to play blackjack. No way. So the S&P 500 has been in a bit of a trading range this year. Boring to me is not bad. Markets can correct two ways. It can correct in price and correct in time. Sideways is not down. We've been consolidating sideways so far in 2014. If I were to tell you we were going to have a good September, October, November, December, and a sideways January, you would be like, sweet. But if I tell you we're having a sideways January to slightly down, you're like, oh, bummer. When's the market correction going to come? Even in a range-bound market, a significant number of stocks deliver attractive returns. There's always something to look at. Look at Netflix yesterday. Holy shnikes, right? I know you're saying, did you just say it's your Snikies? What exactly are Snikies? Do you wear those? Netflix is down one today after going up 40-plus points yesterday. So I guess it all depends on what you own, when you own it, why you own it, where you own it. Um, at this juncture, the market's weakness looks like a correction in time rather than price. I expect further upside for the stocks. I think that a close above 1850 would open the markets to a another leg higher. I think we'll get there. Um, Earnings season is not necessarily the best time in the world to uh, call for a pullback. Typically after earnings when there's nothing going on, when people start speculating and scratching their butts, which for the record, is there anything better than scratching your butt on a hot summer day? Okay, okay, I can think of a lot of things that are actually better than that. I was just testing you. Just testing you. Just testing you. I know you're saying, are you a dog? <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Uh, Apple, in theory, in theory, is coming out with some bigger phones this year. A four and a half and a five inch screen. 
Um, Tim Cook admitted recently, I get 700 to 800 emails a day from customers. He says he reads the majority of them. What's up with that? Apple's doing a little right now in honor, you know, a little bit of media right now in honor of their 30th anniversary of the Mac and that big commercial and the Super Bowl thing. So CEO Tim Cook is doing some interviews. And in one of his interviews, he's like, I get between 700 and 800 emails daily from customers, and I read the majority of them. He gets up 3.45 a.m. Big deal. I have people right here that get up at, at 3 in the afternoon. So they're serious about sleeping in. So 3.45 a.m. Um, he's often asked about a big screen iPhone. He says he has nothing to say on that. He's often asked about an iWatch, and he has nothing he can say about that. He did mention, though, that Apple's coming out with a new iPhone ring. It's going to be a ring that you wear, and it connects with wireless. And, okay, so he, he there's no ring. It's not a moon ring, it's not an iPhone ring, it's not an eye ring, there's no ring. He's just trying to be funny. Don't you hate it when CEOs try to be funny? Only thing worse is when um, Nicki Minaj tries to be funny. I know you're saying, Nicki Minaj? Yeah, for some reason I hate her. You ever have like one celebrity you wish, other than Justin Bieber, and Justin Bieber can't count in this contest, one celebrity you wish you could put in a room of, of like an inert gas that like melts people? I know you're saying if it's inert, it can't possibly melt people. It has to be active. Okay, okay, so you got me on that one, smart guy. Just throw it out there. S&P 500's down 18. The Dow's down 145. The NASDAQ's down 47. We are officially 2% off our highs. Ladies and gentlemen, do not go into buildings above one story today. People are going to be jumping. People are upset. Find billions and billions of dollars as a company. J.P. Morgan Chase is run by a guy named Jamie Dimon. What do you do when you're fined millions and millions and billions of dollars? You give your CEO a raise, of course. So there's debate on that. Like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? If you're able to fight it off and still be able to make profits in the bank... Do you deserve a raise or not? So there's the London Whale multi-billion dollar trading blunder. The board of directors are gathering right now in Central Park, uh, Park Avenue, New York City. And they're trying to figure out, like, how much do we give this guy? So will he get the $23.1 million that he got in 2011, of which, for the record, uh, President Barack Obama is going to give a State of the Union address on Tuesday. And the topic of the, the of his State of the Union is the haves versus half-dons. So basically, Wednesday's going to be a bad day on the market because Tuesday evening's going to be a big PR stunt for let's bash people. Now, again, it's, it's, not even funny. it's not even funny. You're right. It's not funny that you look at, like, a London well and you look at how many people got hurt in the banking crisis, but it's not the banker's fault for the banking crisis. I know you're saying, well, that's a big statement. Um... Uh, a lot of it is government regulations on standards of who gets loans and who doesn't get loans. Of, True that. I know, right? True that. So you look at the bankers and you're like, you know, 
Look at all the good that they do. Look at how much money is lent into the economy that works well. We are a nation that we make our own food and we eat our own food. We're food independent. Other nations aren't, and it sucks when you when you need other nations to feed you. We are a nation that has energy, and lots of it right now. We are, in theory, energy independent by 2020. We could probably pull it off sooner rather than later um, with all the oil and gas and, again, the natural gas that we're finding. Is, is it environmentally friendly or not? That's not my job on the show to talk about. That's for the guy who's standing outside Starbucks this week who's handing out flyers to talk about. That's not mine. So we live in a pretty good time and in a pretty good age, and a lot of the banking works really well. But we forget that because we, we highlight the negatives or we highlight the drama. So Jamie Dimon, how much money will he get as a bonus this year? How much will he get as earnings this year? J.P. Morgan for 2013 with all of their legal issues, with all of their fines, with all the Department of Justice, with all of the London Whale losses in trading, it still made $17.9 billion. Does he deserve a pay raise? Yeah. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. S and P five hundred trades at about fifteen point five times estimated earnings. Um, in the last five years, it's averaged about fourteen point one, so it's on the high end of five years. With that said, is it crazily overpriced? No, it can get as high as about twenty times earnings, and then it starts to get into a problem. Netflix customers, one thing I can promise you, higher prices are coming. It'll be interesting to see how customers react to that. How many streams you get per dollar you spend. Does that matter to you? Higher prices are coming. Is they're starting to get to the point where they're not saturated, but it's tougher and tougher for them to grow in the U.S. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. It's Rob Black and your money. A show dedicated to inspiring you to use your life well and wisely. <laughs> That's not what this show is about. This show is about getting you to retirement so that you can enjoy a margarita. Sitting on the beach in Mexico at least one day in retirement. Um, seriously, you work from age 20 to 60. My goal is to get you potentially to retirement. If you max out your 401k for 30 years, you'll do it. Otherwise, it's going to take a little bit of work, a little bit of effort, and some trickery here and there. And when I say trickery, I mean trickery. I'm not quite sure what trickery means. Um, there was a... Greek playwright, not much of a philosopher, but a Greek playwright named Sophocles. He says, 
No enemy is worse than bad advice. I know you're saying, that's genius. No enemy is worse than bad advice. Well, I can think of an enemy that's worse than bad advice. How about a nuclear bomb in your face this morning when you wake up at breakfast? You're drinking a little coffee and... There's a car crash in your in your kitchen, and it delivers a nuclear bomb. That's probably the worst enemy, right? But other than that, bad advice is bad advice. <laughs> Yesterday, I brought up the idea of me playing, like, uh, uh, Jeopardy, or... Yeah, Jeopardy would be fine. With the various people out there who are in financial media. I think I'd eat them up. I think I'd eat them up like donut holes. There's a lot of bad advice out there. There's a commercial right now that we've been running on the station, or that's been running on business radio, for over 13 years. And it's about real estate, and it says, like, maybe you're even wondering if now's the time to buy. (laughs) Basically, we've gone through an up cycle, a down cycle. When that commercial was cut was a down cycle, then an up cycle, a down cycle, and now another up cycle. Like, that tells you how bad advice is out there. And you know what they've been saying the whole time is buy, 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 buy. You know what people who do mortgages for a living tell you? Buy, 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 buy. Real estate's the best thing since sliced bread. You know what people who uh, do radio shows, who are financial people, say? I'm smarter than you, 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 and you. In large part because they want your your business. That's right, Jack. Whether it be in in radio or television. Uh, And you know what I love is Muhammad El Arian, who, he was the CEO of PIMCO. And bonds have just been so murdered. And this idiot gets on, and I'm not saying idiot in a negative way. Okay, actually I am. This idiot gets on CNBC every other day. Muhammad El Arian. He tells you how great the bonds are and how... You know, the economy is doing this and that, and it'll never be sustainable. And now he quit because his company is losing billions and billions of dollars in customers and millions and millions and millions of dollars of fees. Because he tried to be right. He tried to predict things. He tried to say, you know, look, things are going to eventually go our way, and they didn't. Now it's just not the time for bonds. And, and like, if you've been in bonds, you've, you've been punished, especially bond funds. So... Anytime anyone ever wants to challenge me in financial jeopardy, anyone, we could do 10 random questions. No, 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 stop. I'm not looking for a listener challenge. I'm looking for someone who's in the industry. Like, there's this doofus who's on KSFO. (laughs) He sends his employees to listen to me talk because he doesn't have advice himself. That's funny. Anyway. Um, or maybe his employees don't like him that much, either, or be cautious. Um, no Super Bowl this weekend. we got to wait a whole other week for the Super Bowl commercials. I'm actually going to boycott the Super Bowl this year. I'm just a tired consumer. I know you're saying, what are you going to do? I'm going to go intertubing down the Russian River and look for that mystical toilet somewhere on the Russian River where everyone must be stopping while they're intertubing. Because it has to exist. People want to dare. Anyway, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. It's not the prettiest day on the market. It's not the prettiest week on the market. It's not the end of the world. It's not time to change your portfolio strategy. 
my portfolio strategy is deeply mired in the concept of employment and the U.S. consumer and other options, especially tied towards low interest rates. We have the S&P 500 down 21 right now. We have the Dow down 162, both down over 1%. Stocks extending, stocks are extending a plunge as emerging market sell-off spills over into Europe. You, some famous philosopher, and I don't know who it was, once said, it takes rain to make the tulips grow. Well, first and foremost, we could kind of use the rain, right? There's no doubt about that. Same thing on Wall Street. It takes down days to allow for things to work over time. You don't want the markets always going up. Um, it's It would be a very unhealthy thing. There's a Mexican proverb that says, there's more time than life. And I don't even know what that means. So I'm not really good at these whole proverbs things. But... <laughs> Let's see who we can offend with this one. Okay, okay. Pinatas? I think they're kind of cruel to do to children. But that's, I digress. Do you hear that I once tried to quit my job? I actually retired in my mid 30s. I went to Mexico. I opened up in an optometrist office called III. It didn't work terribly well, did it? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. A market correction is not a horrible thing. We're far from a market correction. Brazil is around the corner with the Olympics. Brazil is around the corner with World Cup soccer. We can talk a little bit about investing in foreign markets, if you want. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. We'll take a break here. Okay. Hi, this is Rob Black from Rob Black and Your Money. Over the years on my radio show, I've heard from people like you who've been burned by buying expensive and wrong financial products from people that don't have your best interest in mind. Naturally, I've developed relationships with people in the financial industry you can trust. So if you need a new home or refi mortgage or reverse mortgage, if you need insurance like home, automobile, life, or commercial, or maybe you need a financial planner, get in touch with me, and I'll give you a trusted financial referral. Email me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Welcome in to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Wall Street's going through a little bit of a correction phase, a little bit of a sideways to slightly down phase. The world is as well. Uh, major averages have dropped to lows, with the Russell 2000 leading the weakness. Continued risk off sentiment pressuring equities right now. Is there some support in gold and treasuries as people are looking for a place to hide? During earnings season after an amazing four-month run and an amazing five-year run on Wall Street. The yen continues to strengthen against yesterday's gains. Um, I, on the yen, uh, Dow Jones transportation average on the defensive today. Kansas City Southern reported bottom line miss. Kansas City Southern is a choo-choo train company that I do like. Um, so it is disappointing to see that weakness there. Uh, ticker symbol on Kansas City Southern is KSU. It's a big play on Mexico and South Latin America. Um, South North America is kind of what I was getting at as far as bringing in cars, uh, bringing in manufacturing from Mexico, which is working very, very, very well. On a 52-week basis, 
the Kansas City Southerns. Not a great performer. I'm a little surprised to see that. Um, but it's also very, very, very expensive. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Rashmi in San Jose. All right, Rashmi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I missed your show. I was in the U.K. for a while, so coming back, uh, good to listen to you again. Uh, I have a question on, uh, and while I was there, I was listening to all the news, uh, especially on Apple and Carl Icon's move to to force Apple to, to change its strategy or, or buy more stocks and so on. What's your thoughts on uh, uh, on those kind of strategies that somebody like Carl Icahn can come in and, and, and force Tim Cook to do something? Allegedly forced. I mean, I don't think Tim Cook may move or not. But what's your thoughts on that and its future on Apple from that perspective? Sure. Is it now an investor play or is it more like a, uh, it's still an innovative com- company is that, uh, from that perspective? Okay. Thanks for the call. Lots going on in that call. First and foremost, if you ever go to England, don't forget you can stream the show, kdow.biz. Just because you're away, just because you're, you're in another country, just because you're doing business, just because you're on a honeymoon, doesn't mean you can't listen to Rob Black in your mind. In fact, I encourage loved ones on honeymoons to listen to the show. Next up, um, Tim Cook and Carl Icahn. Carl Icahn's known as an active investor. Um, an activist investor is someone who looks... And says, look, I think we can get the shareholders more money. I think we can get them more value. Carl Icahn is famous for taking on Ackman with Herbalife. He gets on CNBC and he tells people what he's doing. A lot of people don't like activist investors, especially going on CNBC telling us what they're doing. If you want to be an activist, that's fine. Just keep it to yourself. You don't have to tell the world that you're doing these great things unless your initiative is to tell the world that you're doing these great things in order to enrich your own pocket. That's the problem a lot of people have with Carl Icahn. Now, he is wealthy. He is wealthy from his investments. I think he should be paid attention to. I don't know if he always has the interest of the company in the long term. For instance, and I'm not not answering your question about Apple, but it was disclosed this week that he's taken a stake in Apple. Not, not in Apple, but eBay. Now, eBay's got a couple business angles to them. But the two that you have to look at most predominantly are their marketplace, i.e. where they sell goods, and their PayPal. Now, PayPal was bought by eBay for a little over a billion dollars, $1.3 billion. It's now worth somewhere between 25 and $40 billion. PayPal by itself would be a huge growth company. And we would be able to see, wow, they're growing 40%, whereas eBay's marketplace can't grow 40%. eBay's marketplace is a poor man's Amazon, and it'll always be a poor man's Amazon. That battle is won, and it's over. The Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. It's over. You know, it's fantastic because my producer just interrupted me, which I'm going to go in and slap him during the commercial because you're never supposed to interrupt the host. So I see the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor, and he goes, uh, that's the Japanese. The movie Animal House, look it up, my friend. It's the Germans. Was it over when the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? Hell no, and it's not over now. So Carl Icahn sees value. Now, if you look at him last year, he was up 30% as a fund. And he's in the news a lot. Would I, ha- would I be happy if I was up 30%? Hell yeah. 
Anytime Carl Icahn says something, I pay attention. He's not exactly known for being drunk in public. Like, I think Apple's going to go higher. <laughs> He's saying, I think Apple makes great products, and they have a lot of cash, and they should consider paying it back to the shareholders. Now, you know what's kind of interesting about that? Here's where we start getting into this weird socialist world. There's some people that think Apple should open more stores. There's some people that think they should hire more people. And there's some people that think Apple should buy back their own shares. But some people think, like, they should go out and hire more people. Why? Why should they just hire people just to hire people? Like, we all have opinions on how we want to spend other people's money. And we all have opinions. And Apple's a publicly traded company, right? So, in theory, according to the IRS, a corporation is an individual. So, Icon's telling another dude, and it just happens that that dude's name is Apple, what they should do with their cash. Like, why don't you go tell your neighbor, like, I think you should prepay your mortgage. You know what your neighbor's going to tell you? F off. Now, I'm going to tell my neighbor, I think you should, you know, invest long-term in kind of a Russell 3,000, Wilshire 5,000 kind of method. And you know what my neighbor's going to tell me? F off. So Carl Icahn can tell Apple whatever he wants, and Apple can say, F off. Carl Icahn doesn't have the kind of money that he is going to be big enough in the world of Apple, whether he wants them to buy back shares or, and again, when you're borrowing money at almost nothing, which is what Apple did to buy back shares, it, it's genius because the return on investment, the return on equity, is, it, it, it adds up over time, what we're seeing out of Apple. I like Icon, and I'm certainly going to acknowledge anything that he says. And the fact that he picked up shares of eBay, you know, eBay had a pretty bad quarter. But the shares were, you know, flat up slightly because Icon's involved. He doesn't exactly look at a company. Like he bought Netflix in the teens. He's made over a billion dollars on Netflix because he saw a lot of value in it. Had you been listening to the show and I did a little story? Because I did. Carl Icon's taking a big stake in Netflix. And I was probably like, maybe he's too early. Maybe Netflix stock will go lower. No, maybe he did it just exactly right. So I like that he's around a company like Apple. I own shares of Apple. I don't think Tim Cook's going to cave. I don't think Icon knows a lot about everything that Apple knows about as far as manufacturing, as far as technology, as far as, you know, the ring that they're producing. Apple today announced the new iRing. So that's probably a multi, multi thousand dollar market. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a big deal. Does Carl Icahn even wear an eye ring? Probably not. Apple should come out with an eye patch next. Just <laughs> with no technology, just a patch for your eye. Kind of like a, be a pirate for a day patch. So yeah, I, I like Icon involved. Activist investors aren't necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but at least he's seen some sort of value. And I think you could be far worse off than being like Carl Icahn and, and watching what he's looking for. A black. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. 
Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I want you to get saving money in your 20s, just so you get a little bit of practice at it. I don't think you have to necessarily be the smartest investor in your 20s, but I want you to start saving a little bit of money, a little bit of money. Because I think you're going to make some mistakes. I got an email yesterday from someone who was like, yes, I have $20,000 I want to start buying stocks. I'm like, no, 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 no. Wait till you get $100,000 before you buy one stock. And here's my advice on buying stocks, Mr. Smarty Pants. Is get a, get a sugar booger, get a spouse. And when you have $100,000, say, I want to buy $10,000 of Apple. And write down the price that you're going to buy it at today, at the price that you would have bought it a month ago. Write the price that you're paying. Take a look at the stock, AAPL. Would you buy it at 550 Yes or no. And then put down 100 or whatever you know, amount of shares, $10,000 worth. Give it to your spouse. Now, when it comes time to sell it, go ask your spouse for it back and sell it. Let's see how you do. Practice on paper a little bit. It's a good idea. Let's go to John in Mountain View. John, how are you? Hey, Rob. How's it going? I'm okay at best. How are you? It's Friday. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, I picked up a Visa way back when, and now that I have MasterCards, this is 10 to 1 split. I'm considering picking up MasterCard. Just uh, but what are your thoughts on it? I know the outstanding shares are quite different, and uh, I was just curious for a second opinion on it. Yeah, splits don't mean anything to me. Do they mean anything to you? Visually, they do. Other than that, uh, they're still the same value. Yeah, as long as you know that, you're you're sober, and I appreciate that. Um, which, for the record, while you're driving, always a good idea to be sober. Um, but later this afternoon, a little day drinking on a Friday, there's nothing wrong with, especially if you're on the Russian River on an inner tube and you can't find a bathroom. Um, yeah, I, I like MasterCard. I like Visa. They're two very different beasts. I think you could make a case that MasterCard is a play on emerging markets, whereas Visa is a play on domestic markets. Um, let's talk a little bit about MasterCard. and Would I own it? Absolutely. Uh, for the long-term patient investor, there's nothing better than companies that look like credit cards that aren't credit cards. So they make transactions. They, they make the, the, toll booth, the toll booths, the toll roads that money travels on. MasterCard serves 22,000 member financial institutions worldwide. They're the number two payment system. And literally, they're just as hot as their, their, their older brother or their older sister, Visa. I'm going to use a hot reference. I better make sure that I get the sexual configuration correctly. So Visa sexy, MasterCard sexy. I'll even go as far as to say American Express sexy. But maybe American Express is a little too athletic because they actually do lend money, whereas MasterCard and Visa just transact money. So maybe American Express is kind of like that sister's a little athletic, and you're like a little bit worried that she could beat you in like uh, arm wrestling, but still something kind of sexy about her. I like all three payment companies. Um, I'll even go as far as to say I even like Capital One because of those commercials where they get you to use their credit cards. Um, MasterCard, credit, debit, prepaid cards, Maestro, debit and uh, prepaid cards mainly in Europe. I've never heard of Maestro because clearly I'm not going to Europe enough, which is part of MasterCard. And you know why I don't go to Europe? Because I don't trust the Germans. Me and the French. The company provides its services in more than 210 countries and territories. Cards are accepted at more than 35 million locations worldwide. 
You own Visa, and I hope you give me credit for Visa, because it's one of the stocks that I talk about on a regular basis, and I say I own, that I think you can own for the long term, be a patient investor. Visa is a much bigger company. Uh, MasterCard is kind of like a little bit, I guess you could say they, they take a little bit of grief. I'd buy them both in corrections. Um, I don't know if I would chase 52-week highs in either or. As far as Visa goes, you're talking about a company that trades at roughly 30 times earnings. Um, as far as MasterCard goes, it's roughly 30 times earnings. So you're not getting a lot of value in either of these companies, and neither one pays a massive dividend that is reflective. Visa, and I don't know about MasterCard, but Visa has invested in a lot of the companies that are competitors, and I think that bodes well for them. Uh, you know, some of the startup payment companies, whether they be companies like Jumio or companies like Square, um, we're going to be transacting business differently. The day and age of the credit card swipe I don't think it goes away, but I do think it moves to your phone a lot. And that may be a position where Visa and MasterCard aren't terribly well positioned. Uh, But again, I know Visa is investing in those type of companies that puts themselves in that position. Um, An appellate court appears sympathetic, supporting the Visa thesis, but prefer MasterCard in fourth quarter. So Stifle is talking about an appellate court. They're a research company. And they're confident the Fed will not only win on dual signatures, but also on interchange. The unlikely event the court doesn't side with the Fed, MasterCard would benefit at the expense of Visa on dual signatures. Uh, with the judges largely dismissive of the rulings, they believe the prospects for revisiting Durban, Dick Durban Act, have fallen dramatically and supportive of additional multiple expansion of the stocks as regulatory risks fall further. So a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, Stifle in particular sees that some of the risk tied towards um, credit cards are starting to go the other way. They see a price target of $92 on MasterCard, they see a price target of 926 on Visa. Um, and I mainly agree that some of the regulatory issues should start getting past these companies. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Global markets are selling off today. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Let's wait for it to get really messy before we panic and start buying stocks. Okay, did you hear what I said? Panic and start buying? I know you're saying, I'm so adorably cute. Don't you want to introduce me to your husky daughter? <laughs> the one who's slightly more athletic than me? That's something I don't really like. Um, the S&P 500 is down 26, the Dow's down 198, the NASDAQ down 73. Um, Kansas City Southern down 13% today. Hmm. I like it when basic monopolies are getting beaten up. Uh, something to think about. Elsewhere out there, Microsoft up fractionally. Starbucks reported a number last night that wasn't great. With that said, it was good. Has Starbucks, the thesis changed enough? Have they acquired too many companies? Have they done anything massively wrong? They're up 3% today. 52-week high of 82 bucks, $75 right now. So that's off about 10%, 11%. Um, from its all-time highs. You think it's going to be down 20%? You think it's going to go down 30%? Where does the bargain come in to a company like Starbucks? Do you have an answer? Give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Let's take a break here. I'll be right back. Happy Friday, everyone. Day drinking commences in two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. 
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Joining me now, Paul Kent, General Manager of Macworld iWorld for 2014. Mr. Kent, how are you? Good morning, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, what does it mean to be General Manager of Macworld iWorld? So Macworld iWorld is this trade show about all things going on in the Apple universe. We've been actually, you know, this is today actually is the 30th anniversary of the release of the original Mac. This is actually the 30th anniversary of Macworld iWorld as well. Macworld was part of the original rollout activities. They wanted a big trade show and a magazine to help start stimulating the community. So Macworld's been around as long as there's been a Mac, uh, not as long as Apple, but as long as there's been a Mac. So what I do is I produce this trade show that happens in San Francisco every year. When does the trade show happen this year? This year will be March 27th to 29th at the Moscone North uh, building uh, in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco. Now, typically, this was an event that happened in January. Are you pushing it back to coincide with Apple releases, or does it have some sort of other reason behind it? Well, you know, for about 26 of the 30 years, we were the first week of January. Those were our slots in the Moscone Center. You know, Moscone is one of the – San Francisco is one of the busiest convention centers in the world, convention cities in the world, and that was our slot that first week of January. And that served us well for a real long time, but we decided we wanted to get a little bit farther away from the holiday. A lot of the developers who participate in our show, that meant they had to get their new products finished and prepared over the holidays, which was a drain. So about four years ago, we started moving back to other dates in the first quarter. Whatever the best dates available at the San Francisco, at the Moscone Convention Center, that's what we did. So this year, it happens to be the last, the end of March. Put on a big event like Macworld, iWorld, it's, it's a huge undertaking. Expectations are large. How long does it take you to, to pull off an event that's basically one week long? Well, our team works on it year-round. I mean, we're talking to the developers and exhibitors all year-round, and we're working on, uh, you know, our conference agenda year-round. This has been a particularly interesting year in the Apple space. You know, they came out with a new version of OS X called Mavericks. They came out with a new version of their mobile operating system, iOS 7. They revamped all of their iLife applications, all of their iWork applications. So there's a lot for us to talk about. So we track these kind of comings and goings that are of interest in the marketplace, and that's what forms our conference. So we're working on it all year round, but it really gets kind of intense the last 10 to 12 weeks. Speaking with Paul Kent, General Manager of Macworld iWorld 2014, right around the corner. How many people do you expect to come into San Francisco and attend this conference? We'll have about 25,000 Apple enthusiasts this year. And you say Apple enthusiast. Describe an Apple enthusiast for me. Yeah, it's a great question. So um, Macworld iWorld is really, it, it's kind of like a Star Trek convention. It's a fan fest. It's people who are very passionate about Apple technology. They want, they want to know everything about every uh, preference setting and every switch setting on all of the hardware and software. So an Apple enthusiast is someone who really is interested in getting deep into how all the products work. And they're also interested in what's going on in the broader Apple industry and the broader tech industry. So we have conference sessions that not only teach you everything you need to know about the latest Apple releases, but also about things like Bitcoin, if you want to learn what really is going on with all of the um, the, the NSA relationships and, and the major manufacturers, we have conference sessions on that. So hardcore Apple enthusiasts and all of these people by definition are technology enthusiasts as well. Now, I'm sure you have a slant on this, but it seems like Apple and Microsoft have different visions of the computer world going forward. Um, talk a little bit about your opinion on Apple and the ecosystem that they've developed in, in maybe the next couple years, what you think you might see out of Apple. 
Well, the term that Steve Jobs used when he came back to Apple, if you remember, there was a short period of time where Apple actually licensed their operating system to other companies, and Steve Jobs put an end to that. And the term that he used was vertical integration, meaning Apple can be more successful if they own everything from the hardware down to the software because that's how they could ensure the customer's experience, right, not farming it out to different types of hardware vendors or not allowing people to change the operating system. So, you know, Apple has been very invested in that, and that's the basis of the difference in philosophies. Microsoft has kind of come along a little bit more, you know, like that when now that they've gotten into the mobile arena. But I think that that is um, the DNA difference between the two companies and why Apple has been really so successful, that deep, deep commitment to customer experience, which means that the hardware and the software have to work so tightly together. I'm more interested in the developers at trade shows like this versus the accessories. I don't really need another Apple case. Absolutely. I don't need to see another Apple case. I've seen it. You get the idea. Talk a little bit about some of the excitement that the developers bring to the table as far as new concepts. So on our trade show floor, on our exhibit floor, there's, um, like you said, there's a lot of accessory manufacturers. And, you know, if you were to go into an Apple store now and if you were to look at what the third-party products were, there's quite a bit of space in an Apple store donated Sure. You know, those kind of accessories. But what really gives our show juice is the, the app developer community. We'll have about 150 app developers there at the show. And it's kind of a neat thing because it's an opportunity for a user to actually meet the guy who often wrote the product, ask a lot of questions, discover new products, get really deep inside tips about how these products can be put to, to work. So that kind of show and tell between a developer and a potential user is incredibly valuable in many ways. I mean, for a developer you can get a lot of first-hand feedback from your users about how they're using the product, what they want from the product, what they think about a product. We have a lot of these um, app culture things going on. The app developers do a meetup. Um, there's a lot of um, – we have a special program called Six About to Break that we're doing with um, Miles Wieslander in the SF New Tech community where he's picking six Apple products that are going to be demonstrated and brought to the show that are going to break big in 2014. So it's a great platform for app developers to come because, you know, they're constrained – the App Store is a very limiting environment for them to get word out. You know, you get into the App Store, if you have 25 competitors, how does your app stand out from others? A place like Macworld is a great place for you to get a lot of press, uh, get a lot of word of mouth going, a lot of social media going about your app. Speaking with Paul Kent, General Manager, Macworld iWorld, you can sign up, register right now at macworldiworld.com. One of the big things this year will probably be wearables. Apple just announced the iRing. Do you expect them to be showing off the iRing and maybe some other wearable technologies? No, I missed that uh, announcement. So, you know, Apple doesn't exhibit at our show. Wearables certainly is a big category, and we're expecting a couple of um, developers and manufacturers to be there as well. For the record, there's no iRing. I just made it up. Thanks. I, mean, I thought I missed something big this year. <laughs> the iWatch would be the wearable that everyone wants. Clearly, when that comes, it'll be uh, shown and told and, and exploited on your floor, correct? Well, you know, we never speculate about what Apple's going to do because they continue to surprise us. I mean, we, we, many times, even when Apple's participating at the show, we were amazed at the things that, they, that nobody knew was going to happen that, that appeared at the show. But when Apple does come out with a wearable product, you can be sure that a vibrant third-party community to support it, a lot of developers will support it, and you'll be able to see all those add-ons at Macworld iWorld. Who are some of the speakers that you're going to have this year at Macworld iWorld? One of our keynote speakers is Robert Scoble, who's widely known as the father of blogging. He has one of the best-selling technology books out right now called The Age of Context, which is all about when you have a mobile device and you're out and about in the world, what can your mobile device tell you about wherever you are, what context can it bring, and what 
what are you actually the owner of the mobile device? What are you telling the world about where you are and all the privacy issues of that? So you know, that's one of our, our speakers. Um, we have the full writing staff, the full editorial staff over at Macworld Magazine that's going to be doing sessions. So a lot of the most popular features of the magazine are going to be brought to life. So you know, our Mac Helps, um, our iOS 7 Tips session, Mac Gems, the best of the of the uh, of the unknown applications that will be there. So that'll they'll be there. Um, we like I said, we have a session on. Um, Everything that people need to know about the NSA that one of the better writers in our uh, our market will be talking about. So uh, it's a large part. The, the speakers come from the consultant, the analyst, and the um, and the press community. Is this more of a fan boy exhibit, or will businesses be able to get something out of it? No, absolutely. One of our full day workshops is called the iPad in business. A lot of people are trying to understand how to put mobile to work in business, and everything from simple things like like you know using it as a cash register to more complex things like you know, uh, customer management and sales support and those types of things. So uh, the iPad and business is one of our, our full-day classes. Um, there's a lot of products that will be on the show floor. I mean, um, HP will be there with the latest printers and scanners. Canon will be there with the latest printers and scanners. So a lot of the traditional business functions, there will be a lot of tools and services that will be there for people to have. And, you know, even simple things like apps that help you sign uh, PDF contracts. Um, we have apps like that that will be on the show floor. So there's plenty for business people to discover at the show. Thanks very much. It's Paul Kent, General Manager, Macworld iWorld 2014, right around the corner in March. You can sign up for the event at MacworldIWorld.com. It's MacworldIWorld.com. Um, if you've never been to a show like that, I highly recommend it at least once in your life. Um, and if you are an Apple investor, it, it, there's a lot of things you can pull from that. A lot of things that you can see being developed, um, concepts, ideas. Uh, it kind of gets you into it, so to speak. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. One of the areas that I'm a little concerned on right now is overinvestment. 2013 was a year of a lot of IPOs, a lot of tech IPOs. And I think that's something that we need to be aware of as investors. Of What does that tell you when there's too many people chasing venture money? Keep in mind, venture money is not easy money. Venture money is not a promise. It's not, they're not guaranteed to you know, make their money back. So I'm always paying attention to this, and I hope you are as well. Um, in large part, I think you can learn a little bit of something. So a lot of data shows right now that we might be in a bubble as far as venture capital money goes, as far as spending goes on some of the new technologies, and will they be able to make their money back with IPOs, or will the IPO market start to get a little bit on the tired side? We all can kind of see what happened um, with 2000 and the dot-com boom and bust. Will the Web 2.0 cloud mobile uh, era end in a bust as well? We'll talk a little about the tech boom now that we've got 2013 behind us as far as venture capital goes and what that's told us about 2014. We'll take a break here. You listen to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Don't be shy. Take a break. Be right back. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. back from break. Think of ham with an I after day. Little Patty Smythe sounding, little eagle sounding. One of the independent alternative bands of the year, 2013. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Get a phone call. Get a Robbie. All right, Robbie. Hey, Rob. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm sure. calling from Fremont. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> um, I had a question regarding IBM. I've been following this company for a while. I'm, I work in the tech industry, so I'm just interested in this company. And uh, I heard about their uh, recent uh, uh, sale of their uh, low-end server division to Lenovo. And from what I have read about this company, it looks like it's according to their plan to exit out of hardware and focus more on software and services. However, I wanted to get your take on IBM, and uh, and I'm also curious about cloud and how they're going to um, tackle that problem. I guess it caught them by surprise. Why not just go after Salesforce.com? Just by Salesforce.com? Yeah, that's my opinion. Um, okay. Based on your concerns of what IBM's going through, IBM is a value right now, and thanks for the call. It's trading at nine times next year's earnings. It is a very good chance that this stock will outperform from this moment through the end of the year. At some point in time, you'll be able to rack in a better than market performance type of, of number. Uh, Big Blue is huge blue. It's a little bit of a problem. Um, Snowden really hurt the company. When Snowden basically said the U.S. government spies on all governments of the world and it's a tech problem, a lot of tech companies that were doing business in China suddenly stopped doing business in China. Uh, IBM made its name in the computer hardware world, the company's IT business services, uh, considered a little bit on the stodgy side. Software units are now amongst the largest in the world. They're the largest provider of semiconductors. Um, They're one of the largest providers of semiconductors in the world. Uh, Computer hardware legacy lives on in the form of their server business. They are getting out of the low-end server and selling that, like you mentioned, to Lenovo. Uh, When you take a look at statistics on the company, it's cheap. Now, they've had bad numbers for six, seven quarters in a row. And a lot like like, um, HP, there's some value here. Will it ever be sexy and, and, and glorious? You know, psh, my 20s are long past, and my 20s were sexy and glorious. Will I ever be sexy and glorious again? Probably not. Same thing with IBM. ISI Group reiterates a cautious rating on the company. They think double-digit earnings per share growth is no longer sustainable. They believe divesting the server business makes strategic sense, given that it's got some challenges. They believe IBM needs to you know, you know, boost big-time mergers and acquisitions. To get in some high-margin, high-growth, multi-billion-dollar revenue streams. Um, They see gross margin expansion from high-margin software growth rather than low-margin divestitures. They think the purchase price of $2.3 billion is below the $3 to $4 billion that a lot of people had speculated for on selling the business, the low-end server business. So a lot of people see the same thing. They're missing cloud. They're missing mobile. 
They're missing social. And there's a company called Salesforce.com that has it. So the way to play it is probably a little bit of both. And that, that may sound frustrating to you, but you are paying a premium for Salesforce.com, ticker symbol CRM. You're paying, you're getting value for holding IBM and waiting for them to get the revenue growth to equal the bottom line growth or some sort of big stock buyback or something, right? So when you take a look at Salesforce.com run by Mark Benioff, who's probably out in Davos right now, probably participating in some sort of orgy of excess, you know, uh, you're looking at a company with P of 120 times next year's earnings. That's ridiculous, Salesforce.com. But versus IBM, it's I'm going to be doing a speech this summer, this spring, that's basically the top tech trends and the 20 tech stocks to, that are participating in them. And you, again, just again and again and again and again, you keep coming back to Salesforce.com where they're eating slowly the lunch of IBM. Um, stocks at a 52-week high. Salesforce.com regularly gives you 10 to 20% pullbacks, 20% when it's aggressive, 10% on a regular basis. So I would never buy at a 52-week high. I'd wait for that, you know, that discount to come along. Put it on your shopping list, so to speak. Market's down 1% today. Salesforce.com is down 2.5%, showing you that it's a lot more beta you know, on the market, uh, it's a little bit more volatile than the market. Whereas IBM's down less than six tenths of one percent, and the market's down one percent, telling you that there's some value in IBM. Would I own IBM at these levels? I probably would. Um, but again, it's going to take a while to realize that value. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, one of the stories that, again, I keep coming back to again and again and again is that we're in a little bit of a tech bubble. So when you're starting to see companies like Salesforce.com trade at 120 times next year's earnings, it's a little bit of a tech bubble. And that's okay. Um, I'd watch out on some of the companies getting funded now. I've got a friend who's in mobile gaming, and he's like, uh-oh, it's starting to dry up. The money that was being thrown around for companies like Zynga, for companies like King, starting to dry up a little bit. 3D printer stocks are falling aggressively today. 3D systems down 7%. Stratus is down 4%. A little bit of disappointing outlook from Stratasys. Obamacare enrollment has hit $3 million. I've got a friend who's involved in it. $100 copay. She was shocked. I think a lot of people are going to be shocked by the cost of health care. Especially when a lot of people thought it was going to be free or really, really cheap, especially for young people. It ain't so much. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Like me on Cron4, uh, Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black. And opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Who are the winners and losers on Wall Street? Visit three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost 
and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.